Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Feasible. Nothing personal. Word of the day for Friday, January 28th, 2022. We are about to be done with the first month of 2022. Welcome to Friday. If you're in the Northeast, get ready for a bomb cyclone. I like when they do that. The forecast in New York is anywhere from zero to 79 inches of snow. Not sure that's a forecast as much as just a possible Friday. Stay safe, stay warm, get the shovel out, because there could be a bomb cyclone. But the word of the day is feasible. Feasible is defined by Webster as capable of being done or carried out. You use that in a sentence all the time. Yes, that's a very feasible plan. I like that. It's feasible. It can be done. I'm capable of getting that done or carrying it out. I'm talking about minor league baseball and major league baseball because why not talk about baseball? Because I could give you the lockout update for today. You know what, Coca? Let's do that. Let's, let's, we'll get to feasible in a minute. The major league baseball lockout update. And that's your update. However, there is news in the world of baseball. Do you remember, I don't know when it was, Coca, like a month ago when there was all this talk minor league housing how upset everyone was with my show and the segment not upset with the show they liked the show but when i told them how we dealt with housing how we were far more concerned about our prospects and how they lived and those in the minor leagues who are not prospects which is the overwhelming majority they can live how they live they we you know they're professional baseball players they don't make a lot of money they do it for kevin costner they do it for the love of the game but then Major League Baseball came out and said, we are going to take care of minor league housing for some of the minor league players. And we talked about the fact that it won't be all of them. And so words began to trickle out and trickle out. Well, guess what? There's a little bit of a misunderstanding because while there's a lockout, the lockout is only for players represented by the Major League Baseball Players Association, those in the union. You are only invited to be in the union if you are one of 1,200 players on a 40-man roster. So each team has 40 players on a roster, and everyone else in the system, good luck. You're a minor leaguer. And guess what? Your season's on time, so I hope you're swinging the bat. I hope you're getting ready, lifting some weights, shoveling some snow, getting your swings in because you're reporting to spring training on time and on budget. And the minor league season is going to happen. However, each team will be playing without its top prospects, meaning those on the roster. So now we have to have the conversation about the housing situation because Major League Baseball had a great press release. They were lauded. They're finally going to pay them more and take care of housing. Isn't everything dandy? 
Well, wouldn't you know it that there's a watchdog. I don't know what that expression is, a watchdog. I've never seen. Oh, is that for dogs who like keep watch? Like they protect you by barking or something? Anyway, it's called the Advocates for Minor Leaguers. The Advocates for Minor Leaguers are a group of individuals led by lawyers and led by people who are trying to make sure that everything MLB said would happen, happens. Because as I told you, there is a Grand Canyon amount of depth and width and space between an announcement that Major League Baseball players will have their housing taken care of and, sorry, cut. Four, six, 69. There's a grand canyon of depth and width between minor leaguers getting their housing taken care of and having it taken care of. What's it going to look like? So I did another segment saying, I don't know what teams are going to do, but if you leave it up to the teams, there's going to be a very big difference in what some teams do. So then you had some teams announce that we promise that we are going to take care of every one of our players. We're going to build housing or make sure there's housing, blah, blah, blah. Really? All of a sudden, they're going to go build and rent apartments and put their low-level prospects who have no chance of making the major league roster ever, and they're going to stick them into apartments? It's NGTH, folks. It's not going to happen, no matter what teams announce. So this group of dog watchers said, you know, I'm concerned here because the actual policy says that you are going to provide housing, but we need some details. As a matter of fact, they said, we need to hear all the details to make sure the policy is implemented in the right way and that the housing policy does in fact work for every minor leaguer. Because you've got 30-year-old minor leaguers married with kids. You've got 21-year-old minor leaguers who are happy to live in a hotel room, happy to live on a couch. There is no set policy, folks, just so we're clear. There is nothing that MLB has dictated to the teams. Instead, what MLB has said is that teams will do whatever is feasible. That is what I call wiggle room. As president of a team, I would take that wiggle room, I would stick my finger just inside that room full of wiggle, and I would pry it open like a bunch of forceps getting a kid out of someone, and I'd say, all right, Sorry, Coco, that was a little too graphic, wasn't it? One of my daughters had that and like had an imprint on her lip and forehead from those things. I don't think they're called forceps. They could be, are they triceps? It's, that, it's those big fork-like things like when you toss someone salad. Ah, whatever, I digress. So I would merely make a plan to take care of my prospects. I would make the minor league hotel available whatever home cities I have put two people in a room, double room, and say, there you go. You got a cheap room at the Hampton Inn. Have fun. I would take people in Jupiter, which is what we do. I would get a few apartments around Abacoa, and I would say, here's the rent. Can you pay the rent? Great. How many of you can live in that place? Great. All right. We gave everyone the opportunity to get housing. But you've got these people who are saying, hey, We've got to advocate for the 30-year-olds with kids who are hanging on who are not going to make it, and they can't live two to a room. They can't live on a couch. So while a team may be providing housing, quote-unquote, satisfying the mandate, satisfying the PR spin that MLB had, in fact, that's not taking care of everybody at all. So this group of people, they had three issues that were raised, and they are concerned that the MLB policy actually doesn't specifically address any of them, which of course it doesn't because they gave you a blanket statement that says teams will do whatever's feasible.
So I got a quote for you. While the housing policy is a substantial endeavor, its successful implementation is a priority for major league organizations, the commissioner's office said. Like any new regulations, it is the responsibility of each club to fulfill the requirements. <laughs> because of the policy's flexibility, I'd say it's flexible. I didn't, that's not in the statement, but I'm just saying I'd say it's flexible. Clubs may exceed the minimum standards and adjust based on individual circumstances. We will continue to evaluate all aspects of the player development system and will look to build on the recent improvements. Stunning, right? So Major League Baseball comes up with a statement that you are supposed to believe means, hey, we're the commissioner's office. We tell the teams what to do, and then they do whatever they can do, whatever they think is feasible. Well, I've got to wait to see for you, and it's going to be a pretty good one and a funny one. I mean, and, you know, I, I'm not being callous. The reason I'm saying it's funny is because, A, I make myself laugh, but B, as a team president for 18 years, 16 with the Marlins, two with the Expos as EVP, but no one above me but the owner, just thought I'd flex that. We were in a business. The business was getting as many people to the big leagues as possible, as quickly as possible, trying to win as many games as possible by paying the players the least amount of money possible. The amount of money that Major League Baseball teams spend on their minor league player development system is significant, sometimes more than the payroll. And the reason it's significant is that we are paying for development. We are paying coaches and trainers and hitting coaches, managers, strength people, coordinators, defense coordinators, catching coordinators, infield coordinators. We have a list. It's an HR nightmare, the number of people we employ. And you want to spend your time getting the players who have a chance to make it so that they can make it. And when you're told by MLB to take care of housing because there's a PR issue, what MLB really says is, listen, we're not going to make this our priority. We're not going to make it our problem. We're making a rule. You do what you want to do. The last time MLB did this, I want you to remember netting behind the plate. Do you remember the netting issue when people were getting domed by foul balls because their faces were in their phones and then people were getting hurt and then players were upset and MLB said, listen, there's a bunch of lawsuits regarding people getting hit by foul balls. So we're going to strongly suggest that you extend the nets out to the dugouts, but it's up to you. And then a bunch of teams did it. Then a bunch of teams didn't do it. And then you know what happened? The lawyer stepped in and said, that's no good. You have to have uniform policy for netting because you don't want certain teams subject to certain legal standards and other teams not as differentiated by state law and tort law, et cetera. So therefore, we are going to make a blanket rule that your netting must be at a minimum blank. And they set it to pass the dugouts. And now teams, some of them are down the line, but all of them are past the dugouts. But there's some level of uniformity. But the housing issue is not a legal issue. MLB has already won all legal challenges. Class action suits by minor leaguers trying to get paid more than the minimum wage, eh, didn't win, didn't prevail. Any lawsuits saying we don't want to stay two to a room, we want you to take care of housing for us, no chance, toilet, legal, pants. Therefore, there's no reason for MLB to make a uniform rule. They make sort of a suggested rule and then let teams fend for themselves. Well, wait to see. This watchdog group 
is going to have a problem. The advocates for minor leaguers will publicly decry at least one team's minor league housing situation. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen, and then we revisit it. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but the advocates for minor leaguers will publicly decry at least one team's minor league housing situation because I promise you that there will be plenty of teams who do not do that which is expected by this group. I'll tell you the other thing that's not going to happen with this group. They're not all going to be vaccinated. Major League Baseball just came out with a ruling yesterday. They were going to make all minor league players get vaccinated. They decided they weren't going to do it. They're just making staff in the minor leagues, which is correct. Every employee of a team who has access to players of any kind in uniform must be vaccinated, boosted, etc. But they're not going to make the minor leaguers do it. They could. I was very surprised that Rob Manford backed off from this, actually because they're not represented by a union. It doesn't have to be negotiated. They are simply employees of the team. My, I suspect the reason why MLB announced this today is that the vaccine issue is an issue with, with the Major League Baseball Players Association. And MLB did not want to have any issues during negotiating, talking about vaccines and protocols. They want to get through core economic proposals. They don't want to get weighed down with split city plans. Announced that's not going to happen. Don't want to get weighed down with any minor league issues, including vaccinations. So they bailed on it. No vaccinine. No vaccinines. Come on, Coca. It's Friday. Friday, the cure. I love that song. Can we play that song? I wish that we had a CBS. Could you get us a soundboard where we can actually play stuff and get in trouble for playing music for too long? I want to play the Friday I'm in Love by The Cure, but we're not going to. So minor league players who play during the season, many of them, because they don't make a lot of money and that's okay, have to get other jobs. So my guess is that many minor league players are on LinkedIn because these days it can be hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business. So if you're looking to hire minor league players, I know just the thing for you. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond. It's the world's largest professional network. It's got 770 million people plus, let's see, 25 times four is 100, minus 40 is 60, times 30 is 1,800, plus 1,800. It's got 770 million and 1,800 people. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to. Post your job for free, linkedin.com slash Samson. Find a minor leaguer and employ them. That's linkedin.com slash Samson to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Lame duck. Quack, quack. I liked having lame duck managers. No, I didn't. I didn't want managers on the last year of their contract because they sometimes can't win the clubhouse when that happens. They can't control the clubhouse. Everyone is too worried. What's going to happen? The manager's too worried about his future. There are very few teams. The Yankees are one of them. The Yankees don't care about lame duck status because they're the Yankees and that's how they roll. But on the other hand, 
Many teams do not want to coach in a lame duck situation. So I've been following National Football League. I could do an entire segment, Coca, and I may. I'm in the mood. It's Friday, so I can, we can talk about anything. All these head coaches are interviewing everywhere, and then these teams are actually sending out press releases and tweets after they've interviewed a candidate. Who cares? What, are you trying to prove who you've interviewed and how good they are, and then you don't give them the job? You take a picture of them with their old coaching hat on and say, we just finished an interview with Dan Quinn. All right, that's great. And are you hiring them? Nine openings, two are filled, seven to go. Dan Quinn is a defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Dan Quinn's been a head coach before. Dan Quinn went back to Dallas. He interviewed for a bunch of jobs, didn't get the job, whatever, 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 whatever. He then made an announcement. That's great. So happy that that was an inside report that he is going to be the defensive coordinator again for the Dallas Cowboys. And I remember thinking to myself, the purpose of being a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator is that you want to be a head coach. When you are a head coach who gets fired and you go back to being an offensive or defensive coordinator, you do it until you can become a head coach again because everyone wants to be a head coach. That's where the money is. That's where the power is. That's where the fame is. Then, coincidentally, right after Dan Quinn took himself out of the running for every head coaching opening, head coach opening, the Cowboys said without saying it, because Jerry Jones hasn't said a word, either the owner or the GM. We talked about this, only Stephen Jones said it. We did an entire segment about Stephen Jones saying, I have a great deal of confidence that Mike McCarthy will be back as head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Detour, someone contacted me on Twitter the other day, Coca, and asked me why in every show we only talk about New York teams. Do you find that we do that? I do not find that we're a New York-centric podcast at all. As a matter of fact, there are shows where if you're not talking about the Lakers or the Knicks or the Yankees or the Red Sox, that, that your producer, you never do this, Coca, because you understand that we have listeners all over the world, literally. But someone said that. Do you find that, Coca? I do not. Like we're talking about the Cowboys now. Were we talking about the Cowboys? Get me back. Get me back, Coca. Where are we? Where are we? Get me back. I oh, Dan Quinn. So Dan Quinn, no, we weren't talking about Dan Quinn. We already said that he's back at defensive coordinator. Got it. Jerry Jones, GM, owner, silent, but Mike McCarthy's back. So then word leaked out that Mike McCarthy will be the head coach in 2022. Is it possible that Mike McCarthy is a lame duck, lame duck coach and Dan Quinn went back to the Cowboys? because he was told that once McCarthy gets canned, he's going to become the interim coach? Is it possible that Sean Payton is in line to be the Cowboys coach and he'll take a quick pillow job as an analyst somewhere? Whoever's speculating that, I have a surprise for you. NGTH. As a matter of fact, we're going to do a bonus WTS. Market Coca, bonus wait to see. Sean Payton will not be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys after Mike McCarthy gets fired, and I'm not going to take credit for the win just because an interim coach like Dan Quinn is promoted when the Cowboys start 1-5 and five next year. Not going to take credit for that wait to see. The wait to see is that the next permanent coach after Mike McCarthy gets fired, which he is sure to get fired because the Cowboys are simply not that good, no matter what their record was, the reality is Sean Payton is going behind the microphone. And once you go behind the microphone and start getting paid the big bucks, just ask Tony Dungy and Bill Cower. it's hard to go back. Ask John Madden. Well, 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say you can't ask John Madden anymore. But if you had, it's hard to go back. How about Jeff Van Gundy? Hard to go back. Now, some do. But when you're at the top of your game, Sean Payton is not going to be the guy next year. Mike McCarthy is, however, for sure a lame duck. I got you, Coca. Stan Van Gundy did become an announcer. Then he went back and was the coach and general manager of the New Orleans Pelicans. And then he got fired. And now he's back. Yes, there are other examples of coaches who were announcers. Then Coca, I know. Stop. I'm not mad. Just stop. I, you don't have to keep listing. This, can I tell you all what's happening? Coca is in my ear listing the number of coaches off the top of his head who became announcers then went back to coaching trying to say that my point is completely wrong and not worth saying. Guess what, Coca? Edit it out. Just take it out of the show if you don't want to keep it in. But I'm telling you that Sean Payton is going to be an analyst and he will not be the next head coach full-time of the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think it's smart to have a lame duck in football because coaching is so necessary, way more important to a team's success in football than it is in baseball. And I didn't like having a lame duck in baseball. So in football, I certainly don't want a lame duck. All right, when we come back, I'm going to review a show that I binged in one sitting, and it was a zero-phone season. That's how good it was. And then we're going to talk a little bit about World Cup because there was one of another candidate for quote of the year. Seriously, we'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name's David Sampson. Thank you for being with us every day, week after week, time after time. If you're lost, you can look and you will find us on Spotify and Apple, Stitcher, everywhere else. YouTube, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Follow, subscribe, rate, review. I watched a series on Amazon Prime. You're welcome, Jeff. Called As We See It. It's an eight-episode season. Episodes ranging from 28 to 33 minutes. It's, it's about three people on the spectrum, all who have autism, and they are roommates in LA, and it's about their lives. It's not a documentary, but the actors who play the part of the three people with autism are all on the spectrum themselves. It is funny, heartwarming, touching, brilliantly written and acted. You are engaged in the story from the beginning I can't possibly suggest more watching the performances of these actors. There is a woman in the show who is the aide, and it is a story about her and those three individuals, how they interact, how she helps them, how people on the spectrum are literally on the spectrum. It's not like the Rain Man 
which is how people associate autism. Oh, I guess you can count the number of toothpicks and win money in Vegas. In the real world, that's not the huge majority because spectrum is spectrum. Get it? Spectrum. You've got an entire spectrum. And then I did some work, Coca. Do you know who stars in it? Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick's daughter. I lost my mind when I found that out. Her name is Sosie Bacon. I knew that's who it was. And to me, she I was looking at Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick of what it would look like if they had a kid. This is what I was doing while watching the show, and I loved it. I was thinking, God, Sosie Bacon. I, I, I don't recognize the name, but of course, Bacon. You know, if I really think about it, that does look like Kevin and Kira got together and had a baby, but there's no way that their children are old. That can't be her. And I watched the whole thing. I'm not the guy who presses pause and goes on IMDb and looks at the entire acting history, reads the trivia, reads the reviews. I do that after. So I finished the whole season and then I look and that's the first thing in trivia is that she's the daughter of Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick. I damn near lost my lunch. Is it possible that they have a daughter that old? And she's not old. My guess is, what is she, 23, 24? I just find, yeah, she, you're right, Coca. She was in Mayor of Easttown. I just can't remember exactly who she played, but I did see that, but I didn't recognize her from Mayor of Easttown. I, that was a Kate Winslet show. I did not recognize who she played. Just relax. God, Coca, this is what happens Fridays. So let me tell you about a daily show. Quick detour about a daily show. We spent a lot of time together. For COVID, no COVID, we're on the phone. We, we, we practiced and talked about the show at night, then we in the morning, and then during the course of the day, we'll send stories back to each other. We'll go over the rundowns. So we're basically, by the end of the week, like it's ganug. It's enough. Like we need a weekend because I don't want to hear his damn voice rocking in my ear. So by Friday's show, he's a little grumpy. He's got one foot in the weekend door. He may have a date or something, although likely not. But he's doing something that just he's ready for it. Stop yelling at me. And by the way, I got a correction. Uh, we do make corrections. We give you this show unedited. Most podcasts, most, show, most shows are edited. Even though it's live to tape, they put it together. We, we don't edit. I make mistakes. It happens. I reviewed Yellowstone. I don't remember when. Sometime in the last week, uh, season four. Was it as recently as yesterday? It may have been. I can't remember. And I told you, I gave you a whole story that Yellowstone is filmed in Park City, how cool it was. Well, lo and behold, thank you very much, Jay, but Yellowstone is now filmed in Montana. Didn't know that. And I also didn't realize there's an actual ranch called the Triple Six Plus One Ranch. That's quadruple six. And I guess Taylor Sheridan bought that ranch. Anyway, I'm wrong. That's a correction. Um, it is what it is. So don't go to Park City looking for Kevin Costner in the bars. Now you have to go to Missoula. Do you think of a river runs through it when you think of Missoula? Because I do. All right. What about the World Cup? What do you think of that every two years? I'm in, right? It'd be great. I love the World Cup. I'd watch the World Cup every year. And you can because there are cups every year. And I don't know the difference. I love football. And there's European Cups, and then there's the Africa Cup is going on right now, I believe. Wasn't there a game going on, Coca, while a coup was going on outside of the stadium? I can't remember what country that was, but you told me about it. Oh, Burkina Faso. Like, there was an actual coup going on during a game. 
Anyway, so there's all these cups, but we did a segment a while ago about FIFA saying we want to do a World Cup every two years. Well, guess what? The, where did it go, Coca? I had a whole quote by the, by the guy. I had a picture of the guy with a quote, and now I can't find it. So I don't know what to do about this segment because the quote was so good. Do you want to just keep going? What do you want to do? It's totally gone. All right, I'm just going to tell you what happened. So the president still wants the World Cup every two years, and he can't get anyone to agree with him. He can't get the votes, and he continues to come out with more and more arguments about why it should be every two years. And for whatever reason yesterday, he was testifying or trying to convince somebody of something, and he came up with the most cockamamie reason of all time. He said the reason he wanted the World Cup every two weeks, and I had his quote, but now I don't have it. Coca doesn't have it. No one has it. He's looking for it while I'm talking, so I'm trying to delay. We could just stop, and we could wipe it fresh and pretend we're not going 45 minutes straight, but we are. But his point was we're doing it because we want soccer football to be inclusive. We want the entire world to have access to football, and the way to do it is to have the World Cup every two years because that's what's best for refugees. He actually was trying to convince you, the fan, the sponsor, the teams, that having a World Cup every two years makes it so that the African refugees specifically, okay, there it is, here it is, thank you. We need to find ways to include the whole world, to give hope to Africans so that they don't need to cross the Mediterranean in order to find, maybe, a better life, but more probably, death in the sea. Let me just make sure uh, you're hearing me right. FIFA's president is Gianni Infantino. He met a parliamentary assembly in the Council of Europe and he told this human rights body that we need to find ways to include the whole world, meaning get the World Cup every two years. That means more and more nations can do it. And he's very focused on African nations being a part of the World Cup. As a matter of fact, more of them are a part of the next World Cup in Qatar. But he was trying to say, listen, everyone's trying to get to Europe and they're dying on the way. So if you have the World Cup, we can pump money back into these communities, pump up these football programs and make it easier for people to be refugees and not die on the way at sea. Say it with me. G-M-A-B. The reason FIFA wants to have a World Cup every two years is that they know they can make billions of dollars in revenue. They're going to take some of that money and they're going to build clinics and they're going to build academies and they're going to do all things that are really good for PR. But at the end of the day, they're going to enrich themselves. Even if it means bastardizing the product and in the EPL and other such great leagues, even when the players don't want to do it because they're so worried as they should be about their own team and then their own national team. World Cup is a total disruptor to the schedule. We all know that. But he's trying to appeal to you, this guy. He's trying to ride the wave of what's woke in 2022 by saying we don't want refugees to die at sea. Could you please give me a small break? Okay. That's all I have to say about the World Cup. It's not going to be every two years, I'll tell you that. I got a better way if you want to get billions of dollars. I just want to... If in case we're asked, right? Someone could ask us, well, don't you want to support these African countries? Don't you want to pump money into the system? 
I've got a great idea. Take your existing revenue and split it differently, you chaser. Okay. Nothing personal pick of the day. We're back over 500. I hope you took the Badgers minus seven and a half when I told you to take the Badgers because the line closed at nine and they won by eight. And under the rules of the nothing personal pick of the day, we got ourselves a Wiener Wiener chicken diener. We're 12 and 11, Wisconsin seven and a half. They were actually up 11. And then Nebraska hit a three right at the end. So they won by eight. All right, we've got championship weekend. First, I'm going to give you a Friday night pick. The Bucks are playing the Knicks. The Knicks have a problem. They were supposed to be good. Remember in the beginning of the season? Who remembers this like 40 games ago when they were 5-1 and one or 4-1 and one and they were top of the Eastern Conference and everyone said they're going to stay there and now they're just, they've cratered. They're horrible. The Bucks lost their last game. They're only nine-point favorites over the Knicks in Milwaukee. I've seen the Knicks play in Milwaukee many a time. The Bucks are going to crush them. If you can even get better odds by saying Bucks minus 14, take it. The Bucks will crush the Knicks tonight. Now let's talk about football. We got two games Sunday. It was a doggy dog week last week in the NFL. Three out of four dogs covered. Three out of four dogs won, actually. Three out of four road teams won. Two games. We've got the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes trying to be Peyton Manning without the MVPs. He only has one, I think. I think Peyton had five MVPs. But Patrick Mahomes is trying for his second Super Bowl. He's in his fourth straight AFC championship playing the upstart Cincinnati Bengals. This game reminds me of the Knicks playing the Bulls, the Bulls playing the Pistons, the Pistons playing the Celtics. There are teams that you have to beat in order to take it to the next step. And you don't do it all at once. The Cincinnati Bengals have had a phenomenal year. Joe Burrow is a top nine quarterback who is playing very, very well. His season will end on Sunday, and it will not be a failed season by any stretch of the imagination. And for those thinking that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to have a letdown, may I remind you the amount of money Patrick Mahomes makes by making it to the Super Bowl and winning the MVP in the Super Bowl as part of that massive contract. May I remind you that Andy Reid, who did something, I saw a stat, Coke, I don't know if you saw this, he's the first and only coach ever to take two different teams to four straight championship games. He did it with the Eagles in the early 2000s and now with the Chiefs in the middle to early 2000s? I don't know what the, are we still in the early 2000s? I guess we are. My God, we're 22% done with the 2000s. Although a lot happened between 1922 and 1999. So a lot will happen between 2022 and 2099. But still, we're 22% in. But what Andy Reid is doing is phenomenal. But they will get back to the Super Bowl. Chiefs minus seven and a half. What about the second game? The Niners have beat the Rams and Sean McVay. What have they beaten them eight straight times? The Niners are getting three and a half points. The Niners with Jimmy, um, Jimmy G. I'm not going to, is it Garoppolo? Jimmy Garoppolo? I watched him. You know, they beat the Packers without any sort of anything other than special teams. They had one drive. That was it. And it wasn't a weather issue. The weather's going to be fine in California. 
The Niners are good, don't get me wrong. The Rams are more complete. And as much as it pains me to say, watching OBJ get to the Super Bowl, but they're going to. Rams minus three and a half. Matthew Stafford is going to be in the Super Bowl. And that trade-off of getting Stafford and getting rid of Goff, do you remember that whole Lions-Rams situation where they switched quarterbacks and then the Lions won under the guy with the kneecaps? I forgot his name. Is it um, Campbell Soup? Dan Campbell Soup? They won like two games all season or something. Remember that opening press conference? We're going to bite off their knees or whatever. Meanwhile, Jared Goff is getting paid and he's sitting home watching. And Matthew Stafford is going to make it to the Super Bowl. Rams minus three and a half over the Niners. We got the Bucks. We got the Chiefs. We got the Rams. It's going to be an exciting weekend. The Arizona Cardinals are not in the playoffs anymore. The Arizona Coyotes are still, news alert, the Arizona Coyotes are in the National Hockey League. Now, I know that many of you would not know that because... Who would know that? They, they're a franchise that has been an absolute disaster on and off the ice. They've had ownership issues. They've had workplace misconduct issues. It's just, we, we actually, I think I've done a few segments on them. Word came out yesterday, I like this. They, remember they were kicked out of their stadium? I'm almost positive we discussed this, that they were going to be locked out of their stadium in Glendale because they hadn't paid rent or taxes or anything. And so the people in Glendale were going to literally put padlocks on the door so they couldn't practice and couldn't play home games if the back taxes weren't paid by a certain date. And wow, magically delicious. Lucky Charms or Special K or Product 19, the money got paid, the Coyotes played, but their lease is done. They have no place to play next year. One of the things that you need to have a franchise in professional sports is a place to play. That's something that I used to get a new stadium in Miami. I carried around in my briefcase a letter from Wayne Huizinga and then a letter from Stephen Ross saying, you are not permitted to play in Dolphin Stadium past 2011, so you better have a new ballpark. We went to baseball and said, we better get something done because if we can't get a ballpark, we better move because if we don't have a place to play, you can take away our franchise. And we would not like to get our wages garnished. So the Coyotes need to find a place to play. And what they're doing is they're trying to build a new stadium. They may, but they need a temporary home. The temporary home where they're going to play is where the college hockey team plays. The capacity is five grand. 5,000 people. Now, make your Marlins jokes and say the Marlins could play in a 5,000 capacity stadium and still not sell it out. I'll wear that. We would. We actually got more than 5,000 people several times. No question about it. But how do you ever agree to have one of your teams play where only 5,000 people can fit? Well, the NHL and their deputy commissioner, Bill Daly, said that we will consider that, and I'm not saying no to the possibility of them playing there. And then the GM came out and said why their GM is giving this comment shows you how inept the Coyotes organization is. The GM came out and said, as we have said many times, we are completely committed to building our future in Arizona. As part of that process, we are excited to be exploring some great temporary arena options here before we move into a new permanent home in the Valley. Well, for sure. Totally. 
they're going to get a new arena in the Valley. They're just trying to convince you that they know what they're doing and they're trying to convince you that it all works. Do you know why they want to play where they're 5,000 people? Because it's way cheaper to operate. Do you know that? Why would you have a building that seats 15 to 18,000 when you're drawing 5,000 people? You get to have fewer people working in staffing and security. The cleanup is less. Electricity, your electric bill, your air conditioning bill, everything is diminished when your capacity is lower. When you have 5,000 people in a 20,000 seat arena, you are still paying to open that building even when you shut out the upper deck. Trust me, we would close the upper deck even at Marlins Park, which makes me crazy to say, and it would save us money per game, but not as much as if that upper deck didn't exist. Is it embarrassing for the NHL? You're damn right it is. But they're between a rock and a hard place. Asilla and Corbet, they have no choice but to allow it. So that's what's going to happen. It's going to be interesting. All right, I got I to gotta do one thing here before we go. We still have some time, Coca. Uh, there's something I want to mention here that's important to me. One of the things we do on Nothing Personal is, while it's not personal, I will give you my take, my view of certain issues, and I will come down hard on people when I believe they've done something wrong. And I've always told you that it bothers me when the accusation is page one and the acquittal is page 20. It's always bothered me when the accusation is page one and the rehabilitation is page 20. And what that means is that's back in the newspaper days. But the reality is that too often we bring up things that people have done wrong or crimes they've been accused of or things they've done to get themselves canceled. And then we say, that's it. They're done and we don't revisit it. Myers Leonard played for the Miami Heat last year and Myers Leonard made an anti-Semitic comment while being filmed live on Twitch playing a video game. And I was extremely, both on Levitard's show and on Nothing Personal, I made it my business to let you all know what my view was of Myers Leonard that I would have released him immediately, which they ended up doing, but not immediately because they needed the cap space and they couldn't do an exemption if they released him immediately. So they didn't release him immediately, but they could have, but then he ended up leaving anyway. I think they maybe even traded him. Whatever they did, he was no longer going to play for the Heat. We knew this. Myers Leonard did a statement after he was heard giving the anti-Semitic remark where he said he had never heard of that word. He didn't think it was anti-Semitic. He didn't know what it meant. And the funny part is, I don't even remember the word he said, but it was obviously something that was a word that is very negative, very anti-Semitic. Well, I didn't forget about this. Myers Leonard said he was going to go on a rehabilitation tour. Myers Leonard said that he was going to meet with rabbis, meet with Jewish people, understand and educate himself. And I said, unlikely. And the reason I said it's unlikely is because I have, the reason is that, not because, sorry, Mr. Lynn. The reason is that I have had so many players in my time do something, so many managers do something. It's, this, it's like what I said on a recent show, right? You get caught cheating. You say you're a sex addict and say you're going to go into therapy and do all the things you're going to do to make it all better, right? When you get caught drinking and driving, Everyone says, I'm going to go into rehab. I'm going to turn my life around. I'm going to recommit myself to my family and to my kids, blah, blah, blah. And then no one ever follows up. 
Myers Leonard has followed up. He continues long after the cameras have been turned off. And believe me, the cameras are off. Myers Leonard has been meeting and immersing himself in Jewish culture, going to temples and Chabad's and meetings with rabbis and going on Zooms and all things that he didn't need to do. And he's doing it because he recognized whether it was ignorance or anti-Semitism that was a bias that he didn't even know he had. Whatever the reason is, he recognized that he was going to be a man of his word. And I wanted to bring it up today and bring it from page 20 back to page one and say that Myers Leonard followed through. I appreciate him following through. There is a ballpark full of anti-Semites, of those who do other wrongs, who do not follow up, who don't care to change, who aren't willing to be educated, and Myers Leonard is not one of them. Thank you for doing that, Myers. I wonder whether David Bateman is going to do any of that. I end the show today in the week once again pointing out that words have meaning, actions have consequences. I've been thinking about this topic for several weeks. David Bateman was the chairman of a company called Entrada, which was a company in Utah, like a tech company, a big time Republican. There is this crazy view of the Jewish people that we have something to do with COVID, something to do with lasers from the sky or something to do with benefiting from vaccines or some other such crap. This guy, David Bateman, sent an email to every one of his employees claiming that the COVID vaccine, which he encouraged people not to take, was part of a genocidal Jewish plot. Did you hear what I said? He sent an email to his employees about the COVID vaccine saying it is a genocidal Jewish plot. He then resigned. president of the company came out and said we have no association with this man anymore and this is Utah by the way we have no association we cannot believe he said it we're cutting all ties he's done I leave you this week another great week together with a simple question when you read something like that what's your immediate reaction is it this guy's crazy Is it this guy's racist? Is it this guy's anti-Semitic? This guy wants to do more business? This guy thinks that there's a problem with the COVID vaccine that he should blame on the Jews? It doesn't matter to me. Do you blame it on the Jews? Do you blame it on the African-Americans? Do you blame it on Asian-Americans? I don't care. But when you read that someone has this view that is so obviously racist, does it click something in your brain? Anything at all? because I'd like to believe it does. And while we all know what this show's about, if your brain isn't clicking when you read certain things, then you're not paying attention enough and I know you are. Have a great weekend. Not you, David Bateman. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? 
What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.